Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your pet dog, a T-Rex, or your mom. I'm Jill, and I'm here with Liz. <laughs> Hi, Liz. Hi, Jill. I wasn't expecting, expecting that. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. We love answering your questions. So please send them to us at kdl.org forward slash stump or email us at stumplibrarian at kdl.org. We'd love to hear from you. We would love it if you followed the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. When you follow and like our podcast, more people can find us. All right, I have an exciting top of the pod question for you today. I'm ready. If you were in the circus, what would your act be? Uh, okay. I don't know if this is an act exactly, but can I be the ringmaster or the, I would like to be in charge of it. That way I could just direct what people are doing and direct the audience to look over here and, you know, do a little soft shoe dance. <laughs> that would be great. That's what I would, that's what I would want to do. Would you wear a sparkly costume for that? hundred percent. Yes. I do love a sparkly costume, but what uh, my act does not require a sparkly costume, but I might have to figure out a way because my act, I would be the circus clown. Oh, (laughs) I would like to go to that circus. I love a clown. I used to dress up as a clown for my sister's birthday parties when they were kids. And I just love it. And I know people think clowns are creepy, but I love them. You're so surprising, Joe. (laughs) I I knew you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to guess. I did not I did not guess that. <laughs> okay, I do have a question from a listener okay. today as well. And the question is from Evelyn, age eight, from Ada. And Evelyn's question is can dogs and cats see all the colors or just black and white? This is a great question. And it's actually a question that many veterinarians get asked. <clears throat> so one place that I found answers was actually just a veterinarian's website. Like, here's some common questions we get asked, which I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. But then I did dig in a little deeper, of course. Dogs and cats can see in color, but for a long time, scientists thought that maybe they saw in black and white and they weren't really sure how to test. You can't just ask your dog, (laughs) tell me about the colors you see. You cannot. No, No. they, they won't tell you. No, they won't. So they weren't really sure how to test for this. And so in the 1940s, there was an influential science writer who claimed that dogs only saw in black and white. Mm-hmm. And his, his statement was really just based on a hypothesis. It wasn't based on study, but it was taken as fact. And it really it was not debunked in a study until 1989. Wow. I know. That is really recent. That's a, that's a long time. <laughs> it is. And it's probably, honestly, where this myth comes from that dogs and cats only see in black and white is this scientific study that yeah. came out and said, yeah, they can only see in black and white. But and everybody was like, hmm, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, why are we going to test for that? So eyes, all eyes, not just human eyes or dog and cat eyes, have cones inside of them. I'm not really going to talk about how eyes work today, so this is going to be very basic. All eyes have rods and cones. Human eyes have cones that allow us to see three colors. Red, yellow, blue, the primary colors. And then because we can see those colors, we see a huge array of colors because any of those colors that mix with those colors, we, we can see those. Dogs and cats only have cones that allow them to see two colors, yellow and blue. 
because of this, they see things that are red or in the red family as yellow, or they see them as shades of gray. And they can see those shades of gray really clearly, even more clearly than we can. They do see colors. They just see them differently than us. I found this really interesting study where scientists ran a test on dogs, cats, and raccoons. <laughs> of course. See, yeah, as you <laughs> To see what colors they could see. How they did this, and this was interesting because I was like, how do they find out? They, they can tell through research that their eyes have cones in them, but how can they tell what they can see? They trained the animals to respond to different colors for different treats. And so they were able to tell which colors these animals could see. Interesting. Yeah. And they also did, they had them like climbing a tree to get to the different colors for which treat they wanted. So it was a really interesting study. So the study did conclude that these animals can see, detect color, and it looks a little bit differently than humans do. Humans, we do not see the most colors though. No? No, we don't. We see more colors than dogs and cats. Sure. But we see less colors than some fish and birds. Really? Yeah. Some fish and birds have cones that allow them to see four colors or they can see ultraviolet light that is like at the very end of the color spectrum. So their vision is more colorful, more vibrant than ours. That's fascinating. I know. It is. Uh, I I did not do a lot of research on that. So I don't know how they can test that. Probably just by looking at the cones in their eyes. They're not um, trying to train birds maybe and figure out what they can see and not see. Cool. So here's a little more about animal uh, dogs and cats' eyes. Not about color, but other things. Dogs and cats may have less cones in their eyes than humans, making them see less colors, but they have more rods. What that means is that they have better vision in the dark than humans. I think we kind of know that. That's like a a thing that people say, oh, cats have really good uh, night vision, so do dogs. And the reason is they have this unique structure in their eyes that is kind of a mirror-like structure and it allows them to see in six times less light than us. Oh. So that's that's a lot mm-hmm. less light than us and they can still see in that. This mirror-like structure is part of the eye of all domestic animals except for pigs. Huh. Pigs can't they see in the can't dark. Can't see in the dark. No. Okay. Poor guys. <laughs> and this this mirror, it's, I mean, really is like a mirror in their eyes that helps them reflect just a tiny bit of light. This is why your pet's eyes seem to glow in the dark. Oh, yeah. Or in pictures. In pictures. Yeah. Yep. Or where you see glowing eyes <laughs> under the bushes when you're outside at night. Yeah. What is that as a skunk? Ah. <laughs> the scariest outdoor animal. Dogs and cats are also much better than humans at detecting motion. So they don't have more colors, but they have more motion. Because of the way their eyes are set in their heads, most dogs and cats have a wider field of vision than humans. That makes sense. Yeah. They can, they can just see a lot, a lot on either side of their head, way more than we can. And so they can catch that motion anywhere in the large field of vision. There are some things that might affect this, especially for a dog. Like how long or short their nose is can affect their field of vision. Or for my dogs, how long their hair gets in their eyes. <laughs> that happens and then they can't see as well. Or even how short or tall they are can affect their field of vision. And I can tell you from personal experience that my dogs can see a deer, even just a slight movement of a deer, especially if it's dark out, so much further than I can. I'm like, why are the dogs freaking out? Oh, way over there, yeah. off to the side, there's a deer that moved slightly. Especially because deer are so quiet. They're so quiet. 
so you wouldn't notice them until, yeah. until they come running by in the dark. Yeah. One night I was out walking Obi. That's one of one of my dogs. And he's the one that always needs a walk. So it's just Obi and I taking a walk. And it was dark. And I was a little nervous taking a walk by myself in the dark. Sure. But And Obi was kind of like freaking out about something and I was like I know he sees something I can't see because it's dark and I don't know and that makes you feel jumpy <laughs> yeah it was so jumpy and so we we went to where we normally go and we turned around and we walked back and he starts doing that thing again of pulling on the leash getting all excited when we got to that same spot and I was like what is over there and then I see a little black and white no, not a kitty oh, it's a skunk, it's a skunk. And I'm like oh we gotta move <laughs> So they, oh. they have very good night vision and they have very good peripheral vision. So their colors are not as vibrant as ours, but they have really good vision otherwise. And the other thing about dogs and cats too is that one sense that they use way more than we use is their sense of smell. Oh, for sure. So they don't notice that missing the one color in their in their color, the vibrant experience of life because they experience so much with their smelling. Mm -hmm. So my dog does not have any vision at all. She's blind, but her nose works over time. When we go outside, you can see her. She put her nose up in the air and you can see her little nostrils going faster and faster. So I can't even imagine what sensory you know, things that she's experiencing just from her nose. Exactly. Yeah. It's really, it's research of dogs and uh, cats is, is very interesting. I think because we live with them, you know, so we see them and experience what can see what they're experiencing and to think about how they see is really interesting. I wonder if this question came in because there's a filter on different apps. I, um. I saw TikTok, but I think it's on any app that you're that your mom or dad might use that you can say like, what does my dog see? What oh, does my yeah. dog see filter? <laughs> so what I did read about, I did specifically read about that. They're kind of accurate. Yeah. Like this is kind of what your dog sees, but the colors are a little bit off. So that's kind of a fun thing to do. If your yeah. parent has one of those things that you can look around and see, what does my dog see? <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's my answer to you. They do see in color, just not quite as many as us. Fascinating. Thanks. Yeah. I learned a lot. Oh, I got a fact of the day for us too. Oh well, gosh, you're just full of facts I, today. I'm full of facts today. <laughs> this book is a DK book and it's Earth's Extraordinary Places, Galapagos. Very, very colorful. The whole book has beautiful, both illustrations and pictures, a mix of them. And on this page here that I have my fact from, is covered in reptiles, including a bunch of tiny razor snakes. Do you see those there? <laughs> I They're do. They're so cute. I don't want to see them in person. I no? love to see them in the book. And this fact of the day is about shells, not the kind that I think Liz is about to talk about, <laughs> the kind that baby reptiles are born in, shell protection. Reptiles are able to breed in dry places thanks to the shell around their eggs. The shell is waterproof, so the liquid egg White and yolk, which feeds the baby as it grows, does not dry out. However, the shell does let gases in and out so the baby reptile can breathe inside. So they're protected wow. inside there. There's a great drawing of this here. So check this book out so you can find about all of the cool creatures that live in Galapagos. 
That's a really cool book. It's, Just the cover is very cool. I know. It caught my eye. It's very uh, inviting. It is. So what question do you have for us today, Liz? Oh, I do. I do have a question about shells, but a different kind of shell. Oh. So this question actually came from my house, from my son, Nolan, who is 13. And Nolan wonders, are snails born with shells? And as a second question, do they keep the same shell their whole life? Good question. Great question. Uh, I started my research on KDL's World Book database. And the image while waiting for the the database to load is a snail with a rocket on its shell. <laughs> is that so, accurate? Most uh, snails have rockets, right? It, it is not oh, accurate. Okay. But I was like, oh, look at that. There's a snail right there ready to roll. But that made me laugh. <laughs> Today, I'm mainly gonna, going to talk about land snails, which is what we probably see the most often. There are 40,000 species of snails. Whoa. They can live on land. They can live in the water and everywhere in between. They also range in size from less than an inch. I saw a photo of a snail that fit in the eye of a needle. If you think about like a sewing needle, that small. That is tiny. To over 15 inches, which is pretty big for a snail. A snail is indeed born with a shell. Snails hatch from eggs and have a tiny shell already when they're born. The shell is soft, and it hardens as the snail grows. The shell grows with the snail, so yes, it does keep its shell for its whole life. It's not like a hermit crab. When they get bigger, they find a new shell. That's not what's happening with snails. Shells are made of calcium carbonate, A snail cannot survive without its shell because their bodies need it for protection. If the shell has a small crack or hole, it may be able to produce enough calcium carbonate to repair the damage. But it requires a lot of energy, and the snail needs time and safety for this to happen. If a shell takes major damage, the snail likely won't survive. A snail cannot survive without its shell because it needs it for protection to live. Snails do not become slugs. Snails and slugs are different creatures. Um, The shell is the most obvious difference between the two of them. They're similar, but they're not the same. Well, that's it for snails. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. You know, I had to (laughs) dive into the wonderful world of snails and find out more about them. They are quite fascinating. Snails are called gastropods. Isn't that a cool word? That is a cool word. It means stomach foot. Literally, that's what it means. Mm. (laughs) They're also invertebrates, so they have no backbone. Their shell is super important as it protects everything in their body. Jill, I have a question for you. Okay. Do you suppose a snail has teeth? Mm. I'm going to say no. Oh, indeed. Snails do have teeth. Oh, but they're not like our teeth. They don't have tiny snail toothbrushes. They actually have thousands of teeth oh. on a structure called a radula, which is part of their mouth. It's it's kind of like a tongue that comes out and scrapes their food and breaks it up for them to be able to digest it. Um, do snails have feet, Jill? 
Oh man, I feel like I'm just going to get <laughs> tricked on every one of these. I'm going to say yes. <sighs> they don't have feet. Oh. They have foot. <laughs> one oh, foot. Right, right. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> the surface on which snails move is called a foot. Oh. Stomach foot. They are oh. stomachs on one big foot. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of, they move kind of how snakes move. So we okay. talked about that yeah. um, a couple episodes ago. Using their muscles to contract and propel themselves forward. They secrete mucus that not only adheres the foot to whatever surface it's moving on, but it also protects the foot from damage from moving across uh, rough surfaces. The mucus is secreted from a gland under their mouths, and there's a there's actually a different type of slime that they use to protect their bodies from drying out. So they have one kind that helps them move, and they and they do leave a trail if you've ever I've seen, seen yeah. and heard about that. And then there's a different kind that protects their bodies. Snail slime was once used by ancient Greeks as a cough syrup. Oh, that is <laughs> gross. I knew you were going to make that face. Oh, no. <laughs> and they also used it to protect their bodies from ulcers, so something oh. in their stomach. Oh. Um, sometimes snail slime is used today in cosmetics as well. So it it's still a thing, snail slime. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so we talked about their shells. We talked about their slime. And what about their vision? Snails have two pairs of feelers called stalks, and on the end of the larger stalk is their eyes. They do not see well, but they can move their stalks around without moving their bodies, which increases their field of vision. Their eyes don't have the muscles we have to focus on objects, so their vision is fuzzy, and it also lacks the ability to see color. However, snails do have light sensing abilities, so if a shadow falls over them, they can go into their shell and protect their bodies from danger. They can also poke their stalks out to determine if it's safe for their bodies to come out of the shell. That sounds cute. It, it kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, most land snails are nocturnal, which means they're most active at night. They need it to be cool and moist in order to move about and feed. No sunbathing for snails. It would cause them to dry out. Mm. I also just read when we were chatting before the show um, that they they can kind of hibernate. They can stay in their shell for years if the conditions are too dry for them to survive outside of the shell. Wow. They're going to survive forever. Right. Uh, Lots of other animals like to eat snails so they can evade predators by staying inside their shell. Yeah. Do you think you would like to keep a pet snail, Jill? No. (laughs) Do people keep pet snails? They do. They're pretty low maintenance. They they don't eat much. Um, You're not going to hug your snail, but if you're interested in observing snail behavior, you might like to keep one as a pet. They're herbivores, and they like leafy greens, but you have to include calcium, like finely ground eggshells in their vegetation, so they can keep their shell healthy. However, it's illegal to own a giant African land snail in the United States. So giant African land snail is really the biggest snail. That's the one that can be like 
the size of your hand. Yeah. Can you even imagine a snail that big? No. <laughs> um, the African land snail are very destructive to plants and buildings. They can eat through walls. Oh. They also carry a bacterium that can make people really sick. Ah, so, so that makes sense that it's illegal. We don't want that. They're pretty cool to look at because they are so gigantic. They're about the size of your fist, eight inches long and four to five inches wide. Wow. That's a really big snail. That but is big, yeah. So maybe look at a picture of one, but you can't have one as a pet. Um, those are the snail facts of today. Thanks for that awesome question, Nolan. Snails are fascinating. Keep the questions coming. Yeah. You know what? I wasn't really thinking about this, but the Wyoming Library Branch has some pet snails. You're kidding. Well, we have them in our water tank. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. They live, they're, they're water snails. They're, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's a thing. Yeah. I forgot about, I forgot about that, but there's, okay. they're all in our uh, water, in our aquarium, in our fish tank. In the fish, are they, are they the kind that eat algae to yeah, like to they help are. keep mm-hmm. things clean? And- yep. And we have baby snails quite frequently. And so the whole tank will be dotted with tiny little baby snail oh that's so fun like what a thrill baby snails it's really exciting and then we have a company that takes care of our tank for sure they'll come take them out and redistribute them to other tanks yeah it's too many snails it's a lot of snails yeah yeah wow okay well Well, i forgot i forgot about that when i was just picturing you having like a a dry tank with just a little snail which maybe people do they they do yeah they do i'm not interested in that lots of slime no Mm mm-mm you can't see it when it's in the water. No. Well, sometimes you kind of can't. You kind of can't see it see a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's a thing. Gross. Okay. Well, <laughs> fascinating. That's yeah. what you mean. Jill. Oh yes, I mean totally fascinating. fascinating. <laughs> Gross things are can be fascinating. Yeah. Nature's so, amazing. It is. What are you reading, Liz? Something gross? Uh, no, <laughs> actually, it wasn't something gross. Oh. Um, so usually I do pick up a chapter book to read uh, and talk about, but this time I went a different direction. And I picked up the book, Search for a Giant Squid, Pick Your Path by Amy Cito Forrester. It's actually in our nonfiction collection. Um, it's a little bigger than a regular Choose Your Own Adventure book, but I love Choose Your Own Adventure books. Me too. <laughs> I would always, I had a lot of them when I was a kid and I would peek ahead to see, like, did you make the right choice or should yeah. I have gone a different way? Mm-hmm. So this book is about an expedition team working together to locate a giant squid in the ocean. It's nonfiction, like I said, so there are lots of facts about what a research team would need to do to prepare for an expedition, all of the planning that they need to do, what supplies they need. It's not a very long book, and there are a lot of cool illustrations and descriptions on each page. You pick your pilot, you pick your submersible, your dive site, and then you must navigate around obstacles. So you decide, does your submersible turn left? Does it turn right? Does it go up? Does it go down? What fish do you follow? Sometimes you'll find a a certain species of fish and you think, well, maybe the giant squid will eat that fish. So let's follow it and see what happens. Um, What features of the ocean would you try to get closer to? Because the squid might be living in it. Mm. Um, And what obstacles do you encounter? Sometimes your submersible has um, like a technology failure and you have to 
go back to your ship so that you can fix whatever's wrong with your submersible. I'm telling you the truth when I tell you I spent a good 20 minutes going through this book trying to find the giant squid because of course I flipped to the back and there's one path that you can take that you find it. Did um, you find him? I did not. <laughs> oh man, you got to read it again. I do. One day I'll find that giant squid. Uh, there are fascinating creatures that are difficult to locate as evidenced by my failures in trying to find them. But something different happened each time and I was just determined to pick the right path to success. It was super fun to read. That so really fun. If you like who would win type books or the Nat Geo Kids books or Choose Your Own Adventure, you if you're interested in oceans at all, it has a lot of cool ocean facts. I would recommend Diving in to search for a giant squid. That sounds wonderful. It was a really good book. <laughs> oh man, I think that's it. Uh, what did we What did we learn today, Jill? I learned more about snails than I ever thought I needed to know. Even fascinating. I, I know. I I loved that they're born with their shells. I I didn't know, um, but definitely my favorite fact is that they have not not just regular teeth, thousands of teeth, thousands of teeth, and I will probably be looking at a picture of that later yeah think of like a tiny little snail with thousands of teeth i gotta see that yeah um i learned fish and birds can see more colors than humans i had no idea that was a fascinating fact for me i just i just wonder what the world looks like through a fish or a bird's eye probably so exciting and vibrant yeah wow well that was amazing thank you for all of those amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world too. For more information or to send us your own question, head to kdl.org forward slash stump. Tune into our next episode where we answer even more of your questions. A huge and special thanks to the KDL Programming Department, the KDL Marketing Department, and J.D. Delinsky for our intro and outro music. Thank you. Thank you.